the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another episode of the Michelle Tafoya podcast, sponsored by Genucel. We appreciate their their involvement in the show. Check them out at Genucel.com. Today, moms and dads across the country are standing up for their kids. They they see a little bit of a government encroachment on their parenting rights. They don't like it. One such group of moms has been called an extremist organization. We'll talk to one of the founders and get her responses next. Now, it's time for some sanity. It's the Michelle Tafoya podcast. So have you heard of Moms for Liberty? Moms, the number four, liberty.org on the interweb. They are a group of moms, some of whom served on school boards, who don't like what they're seeing in public education. So they're trying to stand up for their kids and protect their kids. But some of their approaches or their policies or even their ideals have been called into question and they've been called an extremist group. Well, we're going to talk to one of the founders, Tiffany Justice, and get her reaction and response to all these accusations that this group is, you know, sort of anti-people. We'll get to that in a minute. Speaking of amazing people, the true life story of professional baseball player Ricky Hill. This is the newest movie that's coming out. Don't miss this. It's an inspirational movie of the summer. Briarcliff's Entertainment, The Hill, starring Dennis Quaid. It's in theaters Friday, 25th. Ricky Hill grew up poor in small town Texas as a young guy, discovers his extraordinary ability to hit a baseball, hit a baseball, but with leg braces and a degenerative spinal disease. The major leagues were just a dream for him that could probably never be. Courageously, he risks it all, defying his father's wish to follow in his footsteps to become a pastor. Ricky tries out for a major league scout, pushing hard to overcome his disability. He goes on to become a baseball phenomenon. Some dreams are unbreakable. The Hills starring Dennis Quaid, Colin Ford, and Scott Glenn, the true inspirational story of family, faith, and a baseball miracle. It starts Friday, August 25th, rated PG. Don't miss it. Get your tickets now. The Hill. When we come back, Tiffany Justice of Moms for Liberty, an organization that has been called an extremist group. She is next. Welcome, Tiffany Justice. Great to have you with us. Uh, in your own words, and, and, and really in the words of the organization, what is Moms for Liberty all about? What is the goal? So we're a nonprofit, uh, nonpartisan grassroots organization, and our mission is to unify, educate, and empower parents to defend their parental rights at every level of government. And that's exactly what we do and our members do every day. You know, the I, I know you've heard this, uh, the Southern Love, uh, Poverty Law Center uh, it, it has called you an extremist group, that you are anti-LGBTQ, that you're anti-CRT, that you're anti all of these things. And even an article in The Hill uh, pointed out a number of 
events or people within the chapters of your organization that prove that you are, quote unquote, an extremist group? How do you respond to all of that? I think the Southern Poverty Law Center designation is absurd. Um, and I think that anyone that would like to know more about the Southern Poverty Law Center should really look into their storied history, where they have a lot of corruption that a lot of Americans aren't aware of in their recent past. Um, and so I think it's the iron law of woke projection. They do not like uh, the fact that we are standing up for fundamental rights. They would like, as many Americans saw during COVID, uh, they would like the American people to defer to experts, people who apparently are supposed to know better than we do for ourselves and our family and Moms for Liberty. And I think most Americans, to be honest with you, really reject that, uh, that we need an expert to make decisions for us. And so um, I think this is all about control and elitist control of the United States, and the American people are not going to have it. It's really interesting, that notion that you just brought up, the elitist control of the United States. I think so many people are, oh, that could never happen here. What are you talking about? People want to, no, we're a free country. We're built on liberty. And 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 I do. I, I, I see it eroding, this liberty. I see We saw it. I think it was so pronounced during COVID, what we were willing to line up and do because a certain expert, and really it was only one who said he represented all of science, Dr. Fauci, told us to do. And I think a lot of people now are hopefully looking back and second guessing. But Tiffany, I don't know. Um, what? How do you see people reacting to this idea that you bring forward about this sort of elites wanting control? So Vivek Ramaswamy, who I've been following his campaign, he's younger, 38. He's a dad of, of two. I met his wife, Apurva. We had a summit in Philadelphia, and he spoke on stage with his wife and his two young children. And he talks about the, the, the fourth branch of government, this administrative state that continues to function uh, no matter who gets elected. And it's very, very true. I've seen it uh, personally when I was serving on school board. I saw that it didn't really remember who the school board members were who were going through their terms, that unless you were a disruptor and willing to get in there and really make a lot of change happen, that the administrative state in your school district um, would just keep the cycle moving. And there would be a lot of different organizations. In fact, in Florida, there were a couple different specifically, some organizations that circumvented boards and board policy and immediately went into the district's and uh, implemented procedures and had procedures implemented, the way that the school would work, the way the school would engage with your child if there was a concern that your child had or that there was a concern the school had. I spoke to someone the other day who um, was a federal judge, and we were talking about um, the way that the federal government works um, as far as grants are concerned through the DOJ and the way that uh, the grant system is used to change the culture of our country. And so um, uh, Moms for Liberty were very concerned about the fact that you know, we want we want America to be thriving in a culture of liberty, the freedom to do what you ought to do. Uh, but we have come to a place in this country where there's this administrative state that continues kind of pushing us down this path. So, you know, I, I think what happened during COVID was a lot of people, a lot of parents came to their school boards, Michelle, and they said, we're really concerned. We're concerned um, that our kids aren't in school. We're concerned that maybe our kids are in school, but they're learning some things, right? Uh, that we're concerned about the fact that are being taught to them. And instead of the school boards listening, and instead of the government system and the administrative state listening to the parents who are the stakeholders, right? These are our children. Uh, they shut us down. They literally shut off our microphones. They changed citizen input at school board meetings. You had the Department of Justice 
Merrick Garland, the FBI weaponized against parents. One of our own moms uh, called by an FBI field office after having spoken at a school board meeting. Imagine that you're making peanut butter and jelly in the morning and you have an FBI agent calling you about your speech uh, the night before at your school board meeting. Um, so I think a lot of Americans woke up and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've been really busy living our lives, right? <laughs> Just, yeah, you know, feeding our families, saving for retirement, working, right? You're at an age where you're just kind of busy, but this government doesn't work well without us. And so Moms for Liberty is reengaging the American people in uh, our uh, government processes. That's why the designation by the SPLC, as a, uh, they actually said, uh, anti-government uh, extremist group is so funny to me because, um, you know, while we want government to know their place in our lives, we're actively involved in helping people to get elected to, to school boards across the country. All right. You, as you mentioned, were part of a school board. Yes, ma'am. What's an example of something that you saw? You mentioned this kind of administrative state going around the school board. How can they do that? Yeah, so uh, there there was a group in Florida called Equality Florida. Um, they would say that they're an LGBTQ um, uh, support organization, uh, but they are not supportive uh, of children because anyone that is supportive of children would know that having parents involved in everything that's happening with a child is, is the best way that you can support a child. And so what I saw uh, when I was on school board and Tina Deskovich, the co-founder of Moms for Liberty, saw it as well, uh, was the fact that Equality Florida came in and through the student support services departments of the school districts, gave them procedural documents. Uh, these were uh, sample ways that they could handle if a student came out to them at school or more specifically came to a, a counselor or a teacher or, or told a counselor or a teacher that they uh, felt that they were experiencing gender dysphoria. And what this Equality Florida Procedure Manual did was instruct school personnel to keep that from the parents and to engage in the social transition of the child while they were at school behind closed doors without parents knowing. There are how can that policy be implemented if the school board isn't on board? It's not a policy. That's the point. So it would be procedure. And that's the way the superintendents would handle it. They'd say, well, this is procedure. So if you're on a school board, you make policy, you vote on policy, student code of conduct, budget, all of these different things. But if you're not aware that something's coming and happening within your district, as far as the way that things are being handled uh, by procedure, right? It's not the school board's job to dictate what the procedure is. It's to dictate the policy. And so that's the way government organizations are, excuse me, not NGOs non-governmental organizations, but ones that find ways to latch on to government entities uh, do their work. And, and lo and behold, Michelle, you know, there's always grant money or something that's helping them along. And then the school district contracts with them maybe to do some counseling in the school. And before you know it, you have a lot of people influencing your children's education besides that teacher that you think is the one that's really in the front of the classroom. And again, these are unelected people. Uh, it, it sounds very much like if we, if we were to go macro on this, you know, you've got a, an administration in the White House, but you've got all these agencies. These are unelected people in the EPA that, you know, whatever agency you want to point to, and they can administer, I guess, procedure, not necessarily policy, mm -hmm. that, that, that puts its hands on all of our lives in ways that we don't expect and we certainly didn't vote for. Um, what is your number one goal right now? To empower parents to defend their parental rights. We really feel and we see parental rights are under attack 
in America. And when I talk about parental rights, these are fundamental rights. So this is not a right that the government gives you. It's not a right that they can take away your right to direct the upbringing of your child. That includes their education, their uh, medical care, their morality, their religion. You know, those are all things that parents have that fundamental right to direct. So I don't have to agree with you in order to respect your right to direct the upbringing of your child. And when we get into different areas, when we talk about gender dysphoria and other things, you don't have the right to abuse your child. And so just like you wouldn't have the right to, you know, just um, you can't, uh, again, you can't abuse your child uh, yeah, and do lots of different things, right? Lean into anorexia. You can't do these things. A, a court of law would hold parents, you know, liable for, for abusing their child. So, you know, we, we really want to defend our parental rights um, and, and, and follow the laws in our country as they have been stated for years and years. Um, procedure in schools is changing that a little bit. So it's really waking up parents and empowering them to, to reclaim and reform public education in America. How are you able to counter this narrative about you? Because uh, as I told you before we started recording, if I look you up, uh, Moms for Liberty, and I trust the Wikipedia page, yes. um, which is very different from from your page, uh, it, it, it says some really demeaning things that you're again, anti-LGBTQ. And so that, let's take that specific thing. Okay. Now, if I've got a kid who's in elementary school, even middle school, even high school, and they're experienced gender dysphoria, I want to know about it. I want to know if they're deciding to change the, the name and the pronouns they go by at school because I'm the mom. Right. Not the birthing person, but I'm the mom. Right. Um, so, uh, so I want to know about that. And I, I have seen, and I've, even, I've talked to parents as well, whose kids have undergone a sort of transformation at school that the parent was never aware of and that was actually kept from the parent. And when the parent said, look, I don't want my kid going by these pronouns. I don't want my kid going by this name. They instead said, we're going to respect the, the decision of your 13-year-old rather than the parent. Uh, you know, this is, this is a really dicey, touchy subject, as you know. Uh, but that the narrative is that Moms for Liberty is just anti-LGBTQ. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to Jen Psaki and Joy Reid, I, I think, you know, she said something about you could call them uh, ice cream for puppies or something like that. I, I, I don't, I, I think, I'd, first of all, I'd have to hire someone full time to work on that Wikipedia page all the time. Um, and I'm not going to do that. So um, we're going to demonstrate through our actions exactly what we stand for. Um, we have uh, members who are gay. We have uh, members who have gay children. Um, we have a national engagement director who is a lesbian mom of two. Um, so I don't know what to say other than we're not anti-LGBTQ. Uh, um, gender dysphoria and sexual orientation are two separate things. And so mm -hmm. as far as sexual orientation is concerned, the least interesting thing about an elementary school student should be their sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. And I think as a country, we had all collectively pretty much understood that, right? Let's not talk to little kids about sex. Let's not involve them in sex. They really don't need to know too much about it, to be honest with you, right? And you as the parent have the right to direct what their knowledge is uh, about that. Um, you know, and, and as far as the teacher's sexual orientation, again, I'm not exactly sure why that would need to enter the classroom in any facet, right? Um, when you're talking about gender dysphoria, there are federal lawsuits that are happening all over the country uh, about what you just said. These are adults 
who have gone behind closed doors and socially transitioned a child. Six pages of forms filled out by an 11-year-old, 12-year-old. Uh, what bathroom do you want to use when you're at school? What name should you use when uh, we talk to, what name would you want to use at school? What name do you want us to use when we talk to your parents? Uh, where would you like to sleep when you go on overnight field trips? I mean, egregious uh, uh, breaches of the boundary between school and home. And so, um, it's a very, very uh, serious issue. Um, unfortunately, what we're seeing in some of these cases, and two of the cases have now gone to appeals. Uh, Moms for Liberty has filed amic um, amicus briefs on, on two um, of these cases, because what the court said in Massachusetts and actually in Florida as well was that it did not shock the conscience that the school would not involve the parent, that the school would start the social, tr social transition without the consent and knowledge of the parent. Now, what we know is that the social transition is the first step down the path. Mm -hmm. And by the school doing that, they are setting, your, they are setting in motion a trajectory that they're not going to be there to hold the hand of your child, right? Who's it going to fall back on? You're the parent, right? I used the example the other day. If your child gets lice at school, uh, they'll send them home at the end of the day with a letter, but nobody's coming to your house to help pick out the nits. That's just right. the truth, right? Right. right? And so, you know, school, again, has lost that boundary. They, they really don't know the boundary between school and home. But to your point about the Biden administration, look at the, the Title IX changes, right? Look at the proposed regulation changes. And you can see that th this is a machine that is in motion that I think a lot of American parents kind of woke up to in COVID and said, again, whoa, wait a second. You think it's okay to have a private conversation with my kid? No way. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, uh, that that line that has gotten so blurred is is terrifying to me. Uh, the, terrifying might be a strong word, but maybe it's not. No, because, it's not because it's to think that any of my kids' teachers would keep something from me that is that important. My child's identity. Um, you know, I, I I like to believe that most parents can can handle that on their own and should be the place. This is not a school subject. This is not a school subject. You know, I, it, let's get to um, CRT, yeah. critical race theory. Sure. This one bothers me because the basis of it, it seems to me, is that if you're not a person of color, you are an oppressor. And if you are a person of color, you're oppressed. And that's just how it is. And that is presented as fact. What is your understanding of CRT and, its, and, and where it exists in academia, in, in lower schools and high schools? Yeah. I mean, for a long time we were told, oh, no, no, it's not being taught. Critical race theory isn't being taught. I'll agree. I don't think that there's a, a graduate level course for critical race theory being taught in our schools. Maybe if it actually was being taught, children would have the opportunity to have some objectivity and to learn and, and decide whether or not it was something they agreed with. That's not what's happening in schools. What's happening is that everything is being taught through a lens of CRT or through the lens of the idea of systemic oppression. Uh, I went on Dr. Phil uh, twice now. Uh, but the first time that I went was for uh, CRT. And you're allowed to ask Dr. Phil one question when you go on his show. And my question to him was, what about all the biracial kids? I grew up in the 90s. I've got a lot of friends who married outside of their race, outside of their religion. What about those children? What does it say to a child to say half of you is a an oppressor and half of you is oppressed and here you go home and you see a mom and a dad who may be black and white and they love each other and they've chosen to be together and to do the most wonderful thing in the world to make a baby. 
and right, and to have a family together. It's such a special relationship. Um, and so again, the question becomes, who the heck does school think they are to be telling children that because of the color of their skin, that somehow this country, that they're limited in some way, in the way that they'll be able to achieve in the classroom or in the country. And so um, we have members of all different races and religions. And I think the fact, you know, you asked me, what, how do you counter all of these different things that are being said about you? Michelle, the reason that they're saying it is because we're a threat to the establishment. We are disrupting the, the balance of power in public education. And let me give you the facts. The kids are not doing well in school. Um, you know, is it because of the child's skin that they're not learning to read? I reject that. I reject the fact that, a, uh, that any child, because of the color of their skin, is unable to learn to read in school. What we have, however, is a huge educational crisis in this country. I think that CRT is an excuse for educational failure, much like um, all the other alphabet soup, SEL, DEI, all of it, right? They just want to place the blame somewhere. And the truth of the matter is the system isn't serving the students well. The parents are speaking out and making that known. And the people that are in power, the people that are, have been running the system, namely the teachers' unions, to be fair with you, that is who has been running the system, they don't want to own the harm right? They kept the schools closed. And now all of a sudden it's, oh, well, we need to do, th it's the arsonist pretending to be the firefighter. Yeah. That's, a, that, that's the best way that I can describe it. They cause the harm and then they turn around and say, oh, no, 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 but we're going to fix it. We have the solution. And parents are done with that. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, quick break to ask you this question. That dark spot on your face, is it still bothering you? What about the liver spots on your hands and those on your neck and your chest? Are those still bothering you? Now you can watch them disappear safely and quickly in three minutes. Introducing the Genucel Dark Spot Corrector three-step, three-minute dark spot luxury system, and it does exactly what it sounds like. By using their Cristal's world-famous microdermabrasion before the dark spot corrector and finishing with a touch of collagen-building Genucel XV, you'll see the dark spots disappear before your very eyes instantly, smoothly, and luxuriously. What you're watching on the screen are real results in just a couple of minutes. I mean, that's kind of incredible, but don't take my word for it. If you're not blown away with the results, you'll get 100% of your money back, no questions asked, free shipping, free returns. So go to genucel.com slash Michelle, that's M-I-C-H-E-L-E right now, or the new dark spot treatment today and say goodbye to those pesky spots tomorrow. That's genucel.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E, but there is more. 
All three products are included in GenuCell's most popular package for August. So you get your GenuCell bags and puffiness serum also included all for 70% off retail. Experience the luxury and effectiveness of GenuCell. Order now and watch those dark spots disappear in three minutes. 70% off while supplies last. GenuCell.com slash Michelle. G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Michelle. Genucell dot com slash Michelle. And now back with more from Tiffany Justice. All right. I, I like to ask this question to, to all of my guests who are standing up for something, who are fighting against something that I, I think is worth fighting against. Um, there are a lot of groups like yours and yours, like you said, seems to be getting the most attention. Maybe it, people do feel threatened, uh, which is not a bad thing because there has to be some change. The, the numbers in education are, they make me want to cry. And it makes me further want to scream that any teacher, administrator, school board member, policy implementer, NGO, anybody in the United States of America, let alone the world, would tell a child, you know, here's why you can't achieve. Let's keep the standards low because if you're going to be able to, you know, we don't want you to be treated unfairly. And so we're going to lower the standards for everyone. We're not going to hold kids to high expectations because of some immutable characteristic, whether it's gender, sex, whether it's uh, the color of the skin. I, nothing infuriates me more in a school for my money you ought to be telling kids exactly what they can do and encouraging them to do. And I'm looking for hope here, Tiffany. <laughs> so through all of your work, what, what gives you hope? Um, it, of the American people, American moms, how amazing and smart they are and how we have all come together across this country. Um, we have close to 300 chapters. Now I can announce in 46 states, we just added Maine. So only four states left uh, for Moms for Liberty to be in all 50 states. And it's really um, the American people that give me hope. And I think that uh, we see an administration right now, the Biden administration, that doesn't seem to really trust the American people to make their own decisions. We saw that with the CDC. We saw that, as you said, with Dr. Fauci, right? Just listen to the experts. Um, And uh, the American people give me hope that they are smart and that they love our country. They do not think that America, they, they, we know that America is a beacon of light for the rest of the world. We're watching as thousands of people pour over our borders trying to come here to live in freedom and liberty. Um, so that gives me hope. It gives me hope also that um, at the very most local level where Moms for Liberty operates, now I, I said we defend our parental rights at all levels of government, um, but at, at, we only endorse in school board races and hopefully at the state level in, in elected positions, so that would be elected superintendent or elected school board, uh, state school board seats. But that focus on the local election is very important. So my hope for you is this, Michelle. School boards turn over every two years, sometimes every year in certain places. The election cycles are different in different states. But if you can change the faces on your school board, if you can get liberty-minded individuals elected to that school board, you can transform your community. Um, Children, as you said, it makes you want to cry when you think about uh, how children are doing in school. It makes me want to cry. It makes me very angry, too, however. It's a betrayal of the trust of the parents, and it's criminal 
the way that our children's lives are being, in my, in my opinion, stolen from them. You don't get the year back between seven and eight and eight and nine. I think Americans forgot it's different to turn 27 to 28 than it is to be 17 to 18, right? Lots of important things happen in a child's life. It's a fleeting time. But that also means that you can have great impact. Um, so children can learn to read. 95% of all children, that includes neurodiverse children, have the ability to learn to read. Uh, and there's no reason that they're not learning to read in school. And so if you can reclaim your school board and reform your school district and put a focus back on literacy by changing the way you spend your money, right, putting a focus on teacher training and ensuring that children are getting what they need in school, we can start to turn things around. I've seen it happen in districts across the country. And then you have people that get involved in that local level, Michelle, like I did, right? Ran for school board. I was a mom, business person. Um, and then you say, whoa, well, now I understand how government works a little bit. I understand the budget process, right? And maybe I'll run for something else. So, you know, 10 years from now, what does America look like with a whole new class of people? I like to think of them as George Washington's, right? George Washington, they wanted George Washington to stay president. And he said, no, I'm going home. Yeah. You don't, you didn't, you didn't elect a king, right? We don't have a king. Um, and I think that's the way that you change the country. Um, so that's the hope. The hope is the fact that we're re-engaging and re-involved. And as difficult as COVID was, we're going to make, uh, as I call it, COVID lemonade. And we're going to reclaim America. Uh, you recently had an event altered in, is it Philadelphia? So we had our summit in Philadelphia and we had President Trump there, Vivek Ramaswamy, Governor DeSantis came, Nikki Haley came, um, Asa Hutchinson came. Um, I think I'm forgetting someone and that's not good. Uh, Robert Kennedy was supposed to come and then there was some issue with that. We can chat about that if you want to. Uh, but we have a presidential town hall coming up the morning of the debate uh, in Milwaukee. It's okay. a giving parents a voice town hall. And uh, yep, we, uh, we had it all scheduled for a venue in Milwaukee and they canceled um, because there are protests now. The teachers union is protesting us. Uh, in Philadelphia, the, the Young Communist League uh, and Revolutionary Communist uh, protested us. So I think we have all the right enemies. Um, <laughs> but we will, but Michelle, we will have a venue. By the end of the day today, I will have a venue secured. And this event will go on because we are not going to be canceled. Listen, uh, you, you, you said all the right enemies. It's a really interesting idea. And people need to consider that. Who is pushing back? Who are the ones who are protesting? Which side do you align with more? Um, I I see nothing egregious in what you're doing, and and I, you know, look, I, I as I said, I look up your webpage and then I look you up on Wikipedia, and it's like I live on two different planets, you know, two different things completely. So clearly, you're upsetting people, um, which is probably a good thing if it's if you're upsetting the teachers unions and as you said, the young communists. I can't believe there's still a young communist group. I didn't even know that they still were thriving. Uh, was it that big of a protest? Yeah, it was It was a pretty big protest. And, and you know, communism has taken the lives of over 100 million people in the past 100 years across this earth. And so we have a youth in America, and it's very concerning as you see these NAEP scores coming out that really are not informed about history. About it's, American history, about world history. It's and unbelievable. So the focus on identity politics and how each person has a grievance 
is it, this is what we've come to. We are now in the grievance Olympic games and who's got the biggest, better, you know, more important grievance. It's which little tiny group. And it is terrifying because there's the focus on that rather than where are your opportunities? Cause you live in the land of opportunity. Um, I, I, you know, there are too many life stories out there in America that prove that. And I'm just, I, I don't understand this self-loathing of, of some of these people, but maybe they are the people that don't, that were, were told themselves that they are oppressed, that they are somehow, uh, put baby in the corner. I, I don't know. Um, but, but again, I'm, I'm hopeful that movements like yours are going to overcome those. I'll give you the last word and the last thought on that. I'm very hopeful. Uh, for the future of America, because not only are you seeing American parents rising up and, and American moms will stop a revolution. We are in the middle of a cultural revolution in this country and our, our public schools are being used as ground zero uh, for this cultural revolution. And I think what you're seeing with the young communists is a generation of, of children that have been raised in these public schools and have been taught uh, that America is, is a systemically broken country. Um, but you have parents that are stepping up and saying, no, 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 wait a second. That's not what we were taught in school. That's not our life experience that we have. And we're raising a new generation of Americans who are going to be uh, mindful and aware of how blessed and lucky we are. So I think we got a little complacent, uh, but uh, I think Americans are waking up. And again, we were given an opportunity because of COVID to, to really wake up and take our country back. And that's what makes this 2024 election, I think, so incredibly important. Um, and, and why and you said, again, you, you're, you're, you don't endorse beyond school board and local, correct? So it's not like you're, are, are you going to endorse a presidential uh, candidate? No, we won't endorse a presidential candidate, but I'd be really hard pressed to find any mom who would be supporting the Biden administration within Moms for Liberty. I'm not going to lie to you. The, the yeah. Title IX things, the things that President Biden has done, um, the overreach that we have seen, the lack of accountability as far as what has happened with our schools during COVID. Um, so we won't endorse, but we did invite Robert Kennedy to the summit to speak. We invited President Biden as well. President Biden did not uh, respond at all. Uh, Robert Kennedy was going to come. And I think there were some moms who wanted to hear from him. I think people in general are a lot less concerned. Why didn't, about why didn't he show up? Um, he's given a couple different reasons for that. Uh, I don't know that I believe any of them, to be honest with you. I think we're a controversial group, and I think um, he was hedging his bets probably and thought maybe coming to speak would hurt him uh, more than it would help him. But I think that was a mistake um, because we have uh, a group of very diverse people that are coming together across racial lines, across party lines, across political lines. And you talked about identity politics. That's a tactic. That's a tactic that's used to divide people yes, so that the people absolutely. in power can stay in power. Yeah. And so my message to Robert Kennedy would have been come share, share your own message in your own words, let people make their decision because, you know, I don't know that there's going to be a debate stage or a debate for me to go do a town hall uh, about uh, around like the Democrat um, primary. We're hearing right? they're not really going to debate. So uh, yeah, you may not have that opportunity. I wish he had shown up. Um, but Michelle, where are the Democrats on this issue? That is my question. I say this to every parent who is a Democrat. I was NPA until 2016. I've never been a particularly political person, like raw, raw, Republican or Democrat. But where are the Democrats on the issue of parental rights? Um, it, it just seems to me to be a matter of time before uh, Democrat parents start demanding for their rights to be respected as well. 
We will continue to follow it. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time and for explaining all of this. And I, you know, it's, it's interesting to meet you. I, it's, uh, it's, I've seen you a lot and I've seen this group a lot and it's clearly growing. Um, so I, I wonder, I, I will, we'll follow up with you on what happens in Milwaukee and what your venue is. And in the meantime, uh, thanks again for the time. It's, it's, extraordinary all of these parental groups that are popping up but moms for liberty seems to be the one that is catching fire and that has everybody calling it controversial and <laughs> you know you acknowledge that yourself but uh, i i agree with you that you're probably doing something right if that's the case tiffany justice momsforliberty.org right it's .org Yes, ma'am. momsforliberty.org big map there you can check to see if you have a chapter in your county if not click to start one Thank you so much for your time. We'll have you back. We really appreciate you. And as I say at the end of every episode, folks, be brave, do some good. We will see you next time. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.